What's up, everybody? Welcome to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, silent reporter, alongside the voice of the Texans. Mark, did you like the Phoenix Suns collapse last night? Johnny, I don't hate the Suns, so I didn't enjoy it as much as I would have for a team that I don't like, like the Lakers, for instance. I really would have enjoyed the Lakers melting down like that, but it was enjoyable in that even though I'm not a Dallas guy, this is hardly breaking news here, I kind of like the Mavericks a little bit in this situation. No Rockets in the playoffs, of yeah. course, so that's okay. And uh, so our producer, okay the, the producer of Texans preseason TV broadcasts, Dave Keeney, produces the great Mavericks yep. for Bally Sports, formerly Fox Sports Southwest. And Dave's a great guy, so I learn a lot about the Mavs through him. And Jason Kidd, the whole Mavs thing, I can go with it for a while. I don't want them to win the championship, though. This, yeah. this is as far as it gets for me. Uh, but I wanted them to beat the Suns, even though, as you know, James Jones, former Miami Hurricane and the guy who I broadcast his games for mm-hmm. when he played for the Canes basketball yeah, yeah. team, uh, he's the general manager of the Suns. So I felt bad for him, but nobody else last night, really. Yeah. I I got to say it, and I hate saying it. I like Luca. Yeah. I like Luca a lot. I, you know, you love, you love him or you hate him right now. Mm-hmm. He's a maverick, so gosh, yeah. I wish we had him. Yeah. He is an assassin on the court. But I I love everything about it. I, I really wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to really the playoffs. The game would come on. I was watching Bucks celtics the other night. It was a great ending to a game. And then I really haven't been paying too much attention, but I just happened to see a tweet yesterday from Landry, and it was about Devin Booker talking, just being Devin Booker basically after game five when they went up three to two in that series. And then Luca, you can see him coming off the court, and he's saying something to the extent of, "Everybody talks when they're ahead. Like everybody talks when they're, you know, when they're they're feeling themselves, and they just got a big win or whatever." The guy, I can't remember how exactly he put it, but I just remember thinking, he's sort of calling his shot in some sense. Like, mm-hmm. all right, Booker, you talking a lot of trash. We'll see what you got. And in the last two games, he just went to work. I mean, went to work. He is so fun to watch. And then he has no issue at all, you know, sidling up right next to him and just kind of smiling. I'm like, what's up, Booker? Like, just needling him a little bit. I love that part of what he's what he he brings from that perspective. And his game is so awesome. So awesome. That extra Euro step he's got. And I'm telling you, when you watch a guy play and you see that Euro step and it's so hard to defend, but it's also it's so difficult to learn. Really hard. Yeah, a lot of guys have difficulty. Many many years ago, we were over in, in Spain playing a basketball tournament. We were trying to get our guys because we were really confounded because we were all our guys would leave the their, the floor trying to block shots, and the guy would take another step and go underneath them and then lay it in. Yeah. And we're like, no. He, and so we tried to teach it, like, okay, here's that euro. They never, they couldn't get it. It was so not ingrained in them to add that extra step that they have. They just hadn't played that way. But, man, the European players had it down. And you can see it. I mean, he's got that little extra step, and it's it's kind of awesome to watch. But when he's knocking down threes and the Suns are just getting lit up, of course, it was they should awesome. be. It was kind of awesome. You know, I th- hate saying that. This is weird. You're in front of your fans. You know, in the NFL, it's a one-and-done situation, as everybody knows. 
And then you have seven games in the NBA to get it done. So they had multiple opportunities to close this thing out. It doesn't work out for them. They lost in the finals last year. Eh, too bad, so sad. I like the seven-game format in that sport. There's something about the series marinating as it goes on. Yeah. It's weird, though. You had two game sevens oh, in bad. the league, and they were both horrible. And oh. I'm thinking the contrast to the divisional round, if you will, because that's what this is in the NBA. It's the equivalent of the divisional yep. round. Now you yes. go to the conference championships. Ugh. So the divisional round games in the NFL were unbelievably great. And you so get this good. in the NBA, two game sevens on a Sunday, and they're both terrible. It's too bad. So bad. It made me think of the, uh, was it 2007? The Rockets had a 3-1 lead on the Mavs. And oh, gosh. Game, was that 2006 or 2007? Wait, was that 3-1? They were up 2-0. I know they were up. They were up 2-0 coming home. And they just got home, smoked. And they got smoked, yes. It just wasn't 3-1. It wasn't 3-1. Because I think the Mavs in that series, gosh, you're oh. right. I hate the Mavs. I forgot about that one. Sean Bradley. That was the great McGrady dunk over yeah. Sean Bradley series. <sighs> but the Rockets won two games on the road, came home and lost two at home. And all of a sudden it was 2-2. Two, two, and you're thinking, <laughs> what? What just happened? Oh. oh, Tracy McGrady was so good, but he couldn't get out of the first round. When I went the other night to see Facing Nolan, and, which is a documentary about Nolan uh, Ryan, which is just phenomenal. Bradley Jackson, director, did just a great job with Nolan, his wife Ruth, and their family. Just did a great job with it. And I'm watching, and they show highlights of 80. I wasn't here yet in 80, but I remember watching that series as a kid. And then 86, I was actually here. And just seeing these just grueling gut punch losses, like, ah! Yeah, 1980 stop! was a tough one for the Astros, yeah. You know, and then thinking yeah. about that one, that game seven, and then watching yeah. the Rockets just get blown out, like, oh, this is brutal. I think that was 2007, because I was a few months away from moving here and thinking, so I'm watching that game going, like, all right, this is cool. We're going to be coming back, we're going to win a series, we're going to go, oh, boy, this is, oh, whoa, this is ugly. This is turn, this is turn away. Turn away ugly, no doubt about that. All right, we're going to get into AFC South schedules a little bit later. But I saw this tweet over the weekend. It got me thinking, we really haven't talked too much about this. Okay. A few things. Now, you I'm hearing I, this for the first time, You by the and way, I are folks. both broadcaster, um, what's the right way, connoisseurs. Like we, yeah, sure. We take in like watching a game. When we watch a game, we're listening to the broadcasters. Probably more so than most. Obviously, that's what you know. What we do. Drew Brees had a tweet talking about how hey, he might go back and play. There had been an Andrew Marshawn article from the New York Post saying Drew Brees was potentially out uh, at NBC after one year. He wanted to do more games, and he didn't. Uh, he didn't make the brass. He didn't impress the brass with the playoff game that he did with Tariko Raiders and Bengals, which I think is. That's tough in one game if you're assessed on that. Now, he did do the Notre Dame games, and I, I actually – That's a lot of games, Johnny. I know. I actually didn't mind him on the Notre Dame games. Like, I thought he, I thought he did a pretty good job. I, I didn't watch every single minute because you know how I watch those college games. I'll yeah, yeah. watch and fast forward mm -hmm. and watch fast forward. So, I didn't hear it all, but when I did, we'd go on the road, and the first thing, just turn on TV, find a game. What's the game? Then I have a game going on that I'm unpacking and doing all that. And getting ready for dinner. So I always have that going on. And so there would be times I'd listen, like, okay, I think he's good. You know, I thought he was I thought he was, you know, more than decent, but apparently he's out after a year. And Tariko is moving up to the big booth to call games with Collinsworth. 
Kirk Herbstreet is going over to Amazon to call games with Al Michaels. And I saw some stuff about Amazon and what they're trying to do with their pregame show, and they're trying to have this kind of analytically-based show that's going to be different from all the others. And then you got Tom Brady getting into the mix. It feels like the broadcasting world mark in the NFL is changing. You have Bucket Aikman going over to ESPN. Now, they're staying together. But it's going to be weird to look up and see ESPN graphics and hear their voices because I always make that association. So throughout all this broadcaster movement, Breeze was there for a year, but he really didn't call NFL games. He's more in studio. Which one do you think has the biggest impact, at least from your perspective, and who will be the most successful? Greg Olson with uh, Kevin Burkhart in the, I don't know, one or two years as the Fox number one team. Which one will you pay the most attention to and which one intrigues you the most? Ready for a hot take? Yes. By the time Brady gets to the booth, it won't be Burkhart doing the play-by-play at Fox anymore for him. Somebody else will move into that spot. It will not be Brady and Burkhart. That's a prediction. You can go back to this date in May in 2022 May 16th. to see if I was right. If okay. I'm wrong, I guess I have, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. Eat a Houston Chronicle front page or something? <laughs> no one's ever done that no, before. Don't Sports do page. that. By the way, I was at a restaurant this weekend uh-huh. where they served steak tartare wrapped in edible Chronicle paper, okay? It was a Wait, tiny what? little yeah, tiny little steak tartare roll in edible Chronicle paper, and I snapped a pic of it and sent it to the general said, you needed this. You need, he did need that. And you didn't have it. For those that don't know, back in 2014, the general said if the Texans didn't draft the quarterback number one, he would eat the Chronicle. Did he say number one? It had to be number yeah, one, be right? number one overall. But how could he think? Who were they going to draft number one? Johnny Manziel. He didn't predict Manziel. Blake Bortles. Did he predict Bortles? He must have done a mock I don't know draft. If, I don't know if he we predicted. We have to talk to McLean about this. I don't this. know if he predicted Bortles. But Even, we were surprised been, when Bortles went third to the Jaguars. I know, but that would have been the only one. Wow. That would have been the only one. Or maybe first point. round trade back into the first round because they had the first pick in the second round. And remember, maybe. Bridgewater went last pick of the first round there. Maybe it was just draft a quarterback. But it, it, it dates back to 2014, and the general was absolutely 1,000% assured quarterback was going to be drafted and a quarterback was not drafted. Johnny, I think the best play-by-play guy really technically of all the people you just mentioned is Mike Tirico. I yeah. really do. Yeah. And and I give him a ton of credit because I met him in the 90s when he was still doing ESPN college basketball, some college football, whatever he was doing in the 90s for ESPN plus a lot of the desk, right? Right. And he's one of these guys who worked the desk and made the transition and really worked on his delivery, his voice. He might not have the booming voice of Joe Buck, He might not have those kind of pipes, but to me, technically, and just the way he sounds, I would like to listen to him more than most guys. I really would. I mean, I love Nance to death. You know that. Uh, I think golf is the best thing for him. Right. I think he's really good at football. He's really look. He's really good at everything and basketball too. But I just, I don't know. I just think of golf sometimes when I think of Jim. Right. Uh, But I think Tariko's the best one. Now I am. Not overly surprised about Breeze. I, every time I heard Breeze do a Notre Dame game, I thought, is that Flutie? Oh, it's not Flutie. Uh, it's yeah. Breeze. Yeah. I, I hearkened back to Flutie, who I know didn't turn a lot of heads and ears or whatever right. as a color commentator and still, I guess, works at it or something. Right. I forget what he's doing right now. And I love Doug Flutie. He's a quarterback. And he's made a career for himself as a broadcaster, but it's been uh, up and down a bit. So who's going to be the best? Johnny, I know you love Brady. To me, Peyton Manning would be the all-time best color commentator. Well, I just love projecting Brady. it. I love Brady as I love Brady as 
the best quarterback there's ever been. I mean, right. I, that, but that you I thought he would do well as I, a color commentator. I, th- I think he'll do okay. I'm not sure. I, I'm he's not sure he's going to like it. Yeah, he's got to tap in a little bit, though. There are games, and, you know, our buddy Andre Ware could talk about this, where you're on TV. You know, we do radio, right? And we're tied to the team. And I know, right. look, we did like four or five blowouts, whatever it was, last season. <sighs> and those are rough. Yeah. Yet, I, you know, we're doing radio. We're still doing our thing. We're still calling the action right. as it goes, and we're talking about okay, they got to regroup from this, and there's still little things that happen throughout yeah. the course of a blowout that you can mention and say, all right, they got to build on that kind of play. You know, that's right. the kind of thing we need to see from him right. uh, a little bit more often. Whatever, it, we're really focused on the team development aspect. When you're on TV, and plus it's radio, so for me, people always ask me, was that a painful one to call? Yeah, it's painful to lose always, but. I got to keep calling the game. If yep. I stop talking, nothing happens. Really, it's not good. <laughs> you let me right? and Trey take over, and yeah. it's not I, good. I, well, it's not I, happening on TV. You can stop talking. You're still going to see the images sure. and get yep. to know what's going on. And on TV, it's harder in a blowout because then you really have to do a talk show kind of thing, yep. Yep. right? So that's what yesterday they had with what was it? Uh, who was doing the two it games? Was, um, it was a Breen and then uh, Kevin uh, Harlan. Harlan I guess. and Reggie. Yeah, last night was Harlan. Um, anyway. So for TV blowout, it's tough. And Andre will tell you, you know, when you have one of those blowouts, that's when the prep really goes into play. You're prepared for that possibility. You have a lot of information on the team and whatever. Uh, I think that Tom Brady's going to get bored out of his mind when he gets into a bad game. Out of his mind, bored. Uh, Especially if he has two, three of them in a row. I don't know if if he's going to be able to, to go for that. And he knows the hours it takes to be a coach, but I think he would enjoy that. Yeah, much more than being a color commentator. I just see him as that kind of person. But is he willing to put in the time? He might be happy coaching youth league sports. I don't know. I I, I don't know him well at all. I don't know him at all. So I can't speak to that. But I don't think he's going to do it that long. Here's the thing with, with Brady. I was watching. Actually, I shouldn't say I was watching because I was actually just listening. So I was in the car. It was on a Saturday. There was the flip, and I can't find anything. And I'm like, when that happens, a lot of times – I will go on my phone and I will put on like a thirty for thirty, yeah. and I'll and I'll just listen to it. It's always good to listen. If you're at a stop sign and you're at a stoplight, you might look over a little bit, but I just, I just listen. So I happen to click on the tuck rule, and when I watched the tuck rule thirty for thirty, the first time I I watched it in phases, so I didn't I didn't care yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, for some reason this time I'm listening and it's Charles Woodson and it's Tom Brady. And I'm hanging on every word because they're needling each other about the actual play itself. Mm-hmm. And it was really enjoyable. And it hit me at that point that I and it got me thinking about Brady. Like that's that's the kind of I don't say that's what he has to be where he's kind of poking at everybody or he's but he's gotta find a sense of humor. And I thought back also to Peyton's places. When Peyton did a Peyton's places with Brady, it was just the two of them. And they went to, ironically, Jim Nance's house. And Jim Nance's got like a like a short par three on it on the side of his house. It's a really funny episode. But it's the two of them kind of getting after one another about various things in their career and then showing respect for one another. It was a really interesting back and forth. And it was funny. Both of them, both Peyton and Tom, were funny. I think whoever it is that sits next to Brady is going to have to get that out of him. Yeah, they're going to have to work to get that out of them, out of him. If they do, I think he can be really good and be very entertaining. 
when Romo got into the business, I remember thinking, I don't really know Romo. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, I don't see – I mean, I can understand. Like, all right, maybe he knows the game. It's fine. But I don't really know Romo. I have no idea how this is going to go. And then, of course, the first game he starts calling plays. is like, this is going to happen. And then all of a sudden it mushroomed. And he became, wow, okay, I know a little bit more of what I'm getting from Tony Romo. I could see some of the excitement he has. But I didn't really know I feel like I know Brady a little bit. So Brady's going to have to kind of work for some people to kind of break that down and be a little funnier, be a little bit more entertaining, get to the infotainment part of things as opposed to just – straight up, you know, information. But that play-by-play guy, whoever that is, whether it's Burkhart or Joe Buck comes back or whomever, that person has to get it get it out of I him. think Buck would have been they the guy. Do, if they do, I think he can be pretty good. I if, think, if they do. I think Buck would have been good with Brady. But Buck went with Aikman, obviously, to do Monday Night Football. Mm. It's so interesting. I know people have been talking about this. Do you tune into a broadcast to hear the announcer? The answer is obviously no. You don't do it. Right. But – when you turn that game on, if you hear a certain voice, you feel like, ooh, this is a big game. Yeah. It just lends Absolutely. itself to that as opposed to, hey, what's Chris Myers doing this game for? <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. I'm sorry. You're really good. Uh, you know, you're a good guy and everything. But look, I, you know, there's a difference, right? There, there's no doubt. You there's hear Al Michaels or Joe Buck or right. Jim Nance. You're like, all right, this is the big game. Right. I got it. This is the big game. I think Tarico does that, too. Yeah. But it's Tariko for me was college. Tariko for me was college. I remember Hurricanes West Virginia 2003 was a Thursday night game. And Tariko did that game. And I don't remember who he did it with. It might have been Gottfried at the time. And it was awesome. I remember, I mean, I think an announcer can enhance a broadcast. So if you get a game, so this one was Miami West Virginia. And it's a whale of a game. I mean, it is back and forth and back and forth. I mean, it is one of the great college games you've seen, and I think it was Devin Hester who ended up making a play at the end, and Tariqa was fantastic. And I just remember being sucked in. Well, you know me. I'm going to get sucked into a college game mm-hmm. or a football game as it is. But I just am listening to Tariqa, and I'm like, he's good. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed the pace, the passion, how he delivered things. And I can't remember who was alongside him, but that, I think, speaks to the power of Tariko in some sense. I, it didn't matter who was beside him. I get that feeling of excitement when there should be. I get that feeling of you know, staying level when you need to be. But he just has the right, I think, pace and timing that I love listening to a game that's called by Mike Tariko. I really do. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not a hater on Collinsworth. I just have never gotten it with him. Just like I don't. I don't always kind of understand it, so I'm curious to see how that is going to work with Tariko and Collinsworth. He'll be fine. Tariko, I think, could work with anybody. No, Tariko will adjust, I think. Hey, Mike, you're doing the game with Attila the Hun tonight. Yeah. Uh, Well, Attila, what do you think of the pass rush possibilities? I think he would do a wonderful job. All right, hot take. Second hot take of this segment for me. I'm scared. In Broadcastville. Yeah. The hot take is this, and I mean, I guess I'm going to – It's going to be disrespectful, and I don't want to be because I think highly of all these announcers, of Mike Breen, of Marv Albert. I really do. Kevin Harlan, obviously. Right. I just don't think the NBA has had that number one voice on the NBA since Dick Stockton. And I know 
I've mentioned Dick Stockton before to people. Yeah. I know you younglings are going to say, <laughs> I've heard him, I think, on the NFL. No, this is a different version of Dick yeah. Stockton. Dick Stockton used to be the man. Yeah. And his voice with Tommy Heinsohn and later Hubie Brown doing the NBA Finals in the 80s when it was Celtics-Lakers, then Lakers-Pistons, then Lakers-Bulls. Look, that was that was a CBS series, I believe. It was. Uh, they gave you chills, those guys. They were so good. I I know it's sacrilegious to say anything like I'm saying about Marv Albert, who is awesome. Marv Albert yep. is awesome. But to me, Marv has always been a New York guy. Yep. I never, ever thought of Marv, even though he, he was a total national announcer. Yep. I always still thought of him as a New York announcer. I yep. just do. I just visualize him calling New York games. He's not a national guy to me. Right. And I know that's that's so anti-broadcast speak, but that's just the way I feel. But that's the way it is about uh, Mad Dog Russo. When he's on ESPN, the first thought is, oh, he's a New York guy. Yeah. That's I, a New Yorker. I, you know? It's a different arena because yeah, you're it, dealing with talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he brings the heat, man. I but, like him. But I, I like him, too, because he is he is not a homer for the Yankees. In fact, he, he he's likes the, the opposite. He, he likes the Giants because yeah. they used to be the New York Giants at the hey, Polo Grounds. Hey, they played at the Polo Grounds back in the day. He, he's, he's really interesting to me. Yeah. But it's the same sort of thing. Like, oh, he's a, he's a New Yorker. What does he know? And I think sometimes you get, you get kind of pigeonholed into that. Whether, and it doesn't matter whether it's where you're from. By the way, New York sport. guy is huge. By the way. I didn't mean to say anything bad about Marvin oh, no, Albert no. at all. No. Being a New York guy is absolutely humongous. Number one market in the country. Mike Breen comes from there, yep. right? Fordham guy. Mark, used Mike, to do the Knicks. Mike Breen's grown on me. At yeah. first, I didn't like Mike Breen. I don't know why. I love Van Gundy in that booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I freaking love Van Gundy in that booth. As, as I wish they would just let Breen and Van Gundy do their games. Can I say oh, that? really? Out loud? Okay. Yeah, you can. Sure. I wish they would just the, the two, just the two of them, just the two of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't be need, fine. I don't need Mark Jackson in there. Well, sometimes when you have three guys, the two others don't know exactly how to. And these guys have worked on it, and they've, yeah, they've done the job. I just wish it would be Van Gundy and Breen. You know what they were talking about this morning? Because I guess they were playing cuts from a John Skipper interview with Dan Patrick or whatever Skipper, formerly of ESPN, yeah, yeah. formerly, yeah, right? Yeah. Anyway, they were talking about Barkley, uh, and Barkley. Patrick said Barkley's probably the most valuable uh, person in sports media yeah. or something like that. Look, he's a, he's an outstanding studio host. Yeah. And I think there's there's a lot that can be said about that. That Kenny and Charles and it's a, uh, Ernie show with Shaq. I, mean, I left it on last night just to see what they would say. And, you know, that's often when the best stuff happens. It's not just right after the game. That's what you want to hear, the, yeah. hot, the hot takes or the takes right after the game. But as the show goes on, they get into the late night. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, especially like Thursday night in February yes. on TNT, they get into the crazy stuff. I saw the other day popped up on on Twitter. They put four bowls of ice cream in front of all of them. <laughs> See, and they start. They, and they had them. They had them trying these different flavors of ice cream. And Kenny goes at one point. Kenny says, "Yeah, yeah, this one's chocolate chip." And then. <laughs> Ernie picks it up and goes, this is pizza ice cream. <laughs> it's like, what? And then Shaq hasn't said anything the whole time. Just and then eating. Shaq <laughs> just drops one line, and that's the one line that you know ends up on the tweet because it's yeah. funny as all get out. And then you're like, I mean, these guys, it, it's ice cream. Yep. It's ice cream. And the four of them turn it into 
of viral segment. That's the perfect example of chemistry because Kenny, people sometimes wonder, well, what's Kenny doing there? I know Kenny's got a championship yeah. and everything, what, too, right? Two. But, yep. but Kenny holds up in front of Charles. Yes. And Charles respects Kenny. He does. And Ernie's the only guy who can drive that show. I'm right. sorry. Any other guy in that seat would, would be trying in. to do too much. Oh. But he controls it, yep. and they respect him. And you're right about Shaq. They don't need much out of Shaq. The occasional slam dunk, yeah. and it works just fine. <laughs> it does. It does work just fine. Coming up next, we're going to look at the AFC South. Schedule came out. We know what the Texans' schedule looks like. But what stands out from the other three AFC South teams' schedules. We'll take a look next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm John. That's Mark. Mark, the AFC South schedules obviously all came out last Thursday. What was it? Tuesday? Thursday. 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 Yes. All the days are running together. The Jaguars, the Titans, and the Colts, their schedules all came out. And, Mark, I got to say, I think Blake and company, Mike North obviously runs that group, but my man Blake Jones is in part of that five- or six-person group that comes up with the schedule. I think they've got a great sense of humor. I think they also have a pretty good understanding for – what games are going to trigger the meter for a lot of people? Okay, people want to see this game. And I saw in Peter King's article today, one of the things that, that Mike North had noticed was when the Raiders won their last game, I thought this was really cool, actually. They embrace history. When the Raiders won that last game against the Chargers, it meant they were going to face the Steelers in Pittsburgh 50 years after the Immaculate Reception. And so as soon as that happened, they immediately made a note, 2022 schedule, and they looked for the date that was closest, and it happened to be Christmas Eve. Right. And they locked out. It was like that was the first game they had locked in was Raiders-Pittsburgh, December 24th, on the 50-year anniversary plus a date. So I thought that was kind of cool. Certainly in the running as the most famous play yes. in the history of the league, the Immaculate Reception. Now, there were a lot of not famous plays that happened in Jacksonville mm-hmm. in week 18 last year when the Indianapolis Colts went to Jacksonville and laid a complete and total egg. <laughs> so the first game out of the shoot for Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders is the Jacksonville Jaguars visiting Washington in the opener I almost fell out of my chair when I saw that. That's pretty I good. I almost fell out of my chair because I was like, that's a that's a, a, a troll job. Everybody will want to know. People will not. A Jaguars-Commanders game, I, I mean, no offense. Right. Who's Two watching? Two losing teams. Who's watching? But if it's week one and it's Wentz against the Jaguars, yeah. it's a way to take 200 and whatever, 56 games or whatever it is. And and maybe it's more. I, I don't know. Do the math. But I think it's like 256. It's a way to take 256 games. It's maybe more than that. And make one that you think, eh, not all that relevant. And make it completely relevant in week one. That one stood out to me. Commanders getting a visit from the Jaguars in week one. Well, how about, that's it. a road opener. That's the right? road opener. The home opener. Week one, though. 
Yeah, that's week one. Week two, Jags at home against the Colts, and they own the Colts in North Florida. Yep. And the Colts are going back-to-back on the road yeah, to, to start, start the, the season because they'll be here week one, week right. two. They're at Jacksonville. So that's interesting to me that the Colts are going to be 0-2 before they go home. <laughs> yes, 0-2. Mm. Landry, Landry did something today on radio, and I haven't heard it yet. And I really want to hear it. I want to hear how this how this went. Schedule simulation? Yes. Yeah, I heard the residuals. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard I heard the aftermath of that on their show, or some of it anyway, and a lot of talk yep. about Davis Mills and should you draft C.J. Stroud. And I didn't hear exactly didn't how they got that. there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it wasn't really them as much as it was the callers, and there was debate about that. So I'm not sure who took what position. The one thing I did hear was Reich fired after week one. <laughs> I mean – that's that's cruel. After week two, okay, because they go zero and two. They, go, they start zero and two. He's not going to get fired after zero and two. No, right? They always start slow, Johnny. They, you got to give the Colts the chance to that's, have the bounce back. Yeah. I mean, if I'm talking as a Colt here, which but it's I'm Jim clearly Mercy, not. And you never know. Well, you're right. He could have a bad day, <laughs> and then decide to pull the trigger on Frank Reich. But guess what? Chris Ballard's got to say he's going to be like. The cop, I'll put that in air quotes, in yeah. Frank Lopez's office in Scarface after Tony <laughs> after Tony gets Frank shot and he's like, I told him, I told him not not to mess with you or whatever. Um, Chris Ballard's gonna be like, I knew it, it's all right, I knew it all along. It wasn't gonna work out with Frank. What's he gonna say at that point? That really stinks for them. But and you know, I know Chris Ballard, I know you know yeah, yeah. him, and he's from Tomball, right? Uh, I mean, Texas he's from, City. He's from Texas City. He uh, lived in Tomball for a little bit. I lived yeah. in Tomball. All yeah. right. So I know he's a you know he's got a lot of local ties and everything. But listen, it's the Colts. It's not personal. It's no. business. <laughs> oh and two. It's, you're right. It's not personal. It's business. The Texans have bye week week six, and we play Thursday night week nine. Mm-hmm. The Jags have a bye week week eleven, and their Thursday night game is December twenty second, and it's on the road in between. A Dallas Cowboys home game, and then a trip to come here on New Year's Day against the Texans. That's rough. Yeah, that is rough to have a bye week that late and a Thursday night game that late. That is that's tough for Doug Peterson and his crew. All right, so you know who their NFC North similarly slotted or same slotted game goes against with the seventeenth game? Lions. Uh, it'll be the Lions. They'll be at Detroit, at Detroit December fourth, yep. the day that the Texans are playing. You know who? Yeah. Uh, the right. team that resides in Cleveland. So they get to go to Detroit. The Texans have to go to Chicago. Uh, look, who knows who's going to be better or worse at that point. I'm not here to say that Chicago is inherently better than Detroit this year. Right. After all those close games that Detroit played last year, another year under the head coach, maybe Goff plays decent, maybe they run the football, maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm not ready to say the Bears are going to be really good this year. Nobody is. No. Nope. No, not at all. The Colts play their Thursday night game in week five. It is at Denver with Russell Wilson going against Matt Ryan. We face those two quarterbacks in week one and week two, but two quarterbacks, two faces in different places on a Thursday night week five, but their bye week is all the way in week 14. That's crazy. That's so late for a bye, but I guess with the 17 games, they do it this way. Johnny, think about this. After the Colts open against the Texans and lose and then go to Jacksonville and lose, so they're 0-2, they come home to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Yikes. Then 
they face the Tennessee Titans at home. Who owned them last year. Then they year. go to Denver. This this could be 0-5 for the Colts before oh. they beat Jacksonville in week six in Indy. Okay, if it's 1-4, 0-5, and can yes. Frank survive? I don't think so. I think at that point it's done. 0-5 oh, is tough, man. You can sit here and say, oh, and five, I'll give it a chance. Maybe they win the maybe the next Remember three. Remember how 0-4 and, and felt? 0-4 oh, well, stunk. I was well, still surprised. See, here's the thing. That was COVID. You did the game. Yep. You went home. Right. Right? So, I mean, you were on the road with the team. Right, so you right. were you were much closer to the team than I was, yet still at a distance right. in many ways. Exactly. So it was hard to really feel the vibe. We weren't right. out of practice. It was COVID. Right. So when the firing went down after week four, I was a little surprised yeah. that it happened. I wasn't surprised it was going to happen at right. some point, but I was surprised it happened right then. Right. Which shows you that things were going on that were, you know, beyond winning and losing that were unacceptable. I mean, I'm not going to say that. I mean, what, what am I? I'm not going to say it was scandalous or anything. Right, right. But it was just like the vibe, the locker room, all of that stuff. Because, you know, from Bob McNair to Cal McNair, I think that's a really important thing. And it should be an important right, thing. Exactly. You know, you're, as a mentor, your feel for the locker room, the respect you have, the yep. command you have, the listenership, if you will, right. that's a radio term, that you have in the locker room. Well, I mean, if you think about it, from the standpoint of the Colts, it'll be 18, 19, 20, 21. So that was Frank's fourth year last year. Mm-hmm. This is year five. Is that right? Yeah, because he came in 18. Because Pagano was there for a year when Ballard got there in 17. So, yeah, this is so this is year five. They're coming off a year with a the last two – Weeks of the year, circle the drain. Choked against the Raiders. Should never let that happen. And then worse against the Jaguars. If they go 1-4 or 0-5, I'm not going to guarantee anything. And that might be the best thing that helps this division, that Frank Reich is is gone. Because, like you said, they start catching fire at some point. But you start digging a hole at 1-4, 0-5 after – the way you finished, if they if they go one and four, that means they will have gone one and six in their last seven games. Right. I don't know that he can hold on to that thing at that point. All right. Give me your we shouldn't be doing this, but we'll do it anyway. Way too early. W or L after each one of these Titans games. Okay? Oh, okay. Wait, hold on. Hold on. All right. Go All ahead. Right. I've All got go ahead. Giants at home. Win. At the Bills. L. Raiders at home. Let's go Raiders. Uh, that's going to be a win. Colts on the road. They should beat the Colts, man. At Washington. The win. So what is that? Three and two? Uh, four. And four. four and one. Bye uh, week. Uh, then, no, week. Uh, yeah, bye week. Win. Uh, week seven, Indianapolis at home. They're going to split. So let's split, split them. They'll split that one. All right, so still at four. At Houston. That's a loss. Nice. At Kansas City. That's a loss. <laughs> nice. Stuck at four. Denver, week 10, at home. But this is for the Titans. I'll give this one to them because the stretch right. gets even tougher. All right. At Green Bay. L. Bengals, at home. I want to say loss, but I think they'll avenge that. Oh, they'll avenge that. All right. At Philly. This is the sneaky hot one. I think Philadelphia, I think Philly gets them. All right. Jags. We'll beat the Jags. All right. Chargers on the road, December 18th. Loss. Nice. Texans at home. We're going to beat them again. Nice. <laughs> Cowboys at home. 
Wow, that's a weird. That's a December twenty. That, is that a Thursday I'm night game? I'm at eight wins. Thursday that's a night, Thursday night 12, game. Twenty nine. Yeah, in week seventeen. I love it. Ooh, against Dallas too. Yeah. Get them, Cowboys. All and, right. And then at Jacksonville. Ooh boy. Win. They'll win. They'll win that one. Uh, wait, is that? I think I only have nine in there. Yeah. Okay, nine and eight for the Titans. Well, I mean, let's but, put it this way. It's possible. You know what I like to do with schedules when you're doing stuff like this, and we'll do this again a bunch of times before the start of the season, is look at a clump of games or at least two games and say, is that a split? Right. Or look at four games. That looks like three and one or two and two right right there. Because you know you're going to win some. You shouldn't. And I mean, who could have predicted? The way things were going last year, the Texans beat the Titans in Nashville. Really? And they did. Right. Right. The Chargers, no shot. You cannot stop the Chargers. Yes, you did. But after the bye week, it's Colts. It's a road trip here. Chiefs, Broncos, Packers, Bengals, Eagles. Let me rephrase that. It's Colts. Well, they beat the Colts. Right. At Houston, even mm. the last two games have been on a last oh, yeah. last Super. play. Yeah, yeah. Chiefs AFC championship game. Broncos with Russell Wilson. At Green Bay at the MVP. Uh, then the Bengals, the AFC champion. At the Eagles who made the playoffs. Then That's a rough stretch. Char- then Jags. Then at the Chargers, who are one of the more improved teams with the additions they've made. Houston at home, divisional bloodbath. And then you got the Cowboys. And the Cowboys, and you never know. And then at Jacksonville to end To it. play the Bills, the Chiefs. I mean, we're all playing AFC West. But to play the Bills and the Bengals, in addition to playing, uh, uh, who did I miss here? Uh, missing who they, who they finished first against. So they placed the Bills in the East. Then they face the Bengals. Oh, obviously, and then they face – that's right. Jeez. But to get the Bills and the Bengals on the schedule, yikes. Yeah, that's a if that's there's a, a tough If there's a team I don't want to trifle with this year, it's the Bills. Definitely the Bills. Uh, but the Bills. Bengals, I thought, could have a uh, come-to-earth yeah. uh, situation. Yeah, no doubt. All go right, Mark, good job. When we get back, we'll go around the NFL and clean up anything that's happened in the last few minutes right here on Texans All Access. 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 We got one final segment this Monday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and a little bit of Texans news that happened. Oh, I don't know how long ago this was. I just happened to see it during the break. It is not official, but the Texans have signed a pair of players to the roster. Defensive back Kendall Sheffield formerly of Ohio State. I think he went to Fort Bend Marshall as well. And Connor Weddington, wide receiver at Stanford. Those two are added to the mix. The Texans' requisite uh, transaction the other way was the Texans released Reggie Robinson and Colby Harville Peel, the rookie safety from out of Oklahoma State. So those have not been announced, at least not that I've seen it, but I've been doing the show, so I'm not totally sure. have not been announced by the team but I would imagine they will happen in due time. Kendall Sheffield, former defensive back. I think he was a second rounder of the Atlanta Falcons a few years ago. Connor Weddington coming to Houston to be part of the Houston Texans experience. And I just got through writing and submitting this morning my position breakdown of the wide receivers. And, and all of a sudden, bada bing, bada bang, yeah, there's a receiver added to the mix, Connor Weddington. But what are you going to do? Uh, it's going to happen. This is not... And it's funny, when I was writing my article, I remember writing, well, free agency and the draft are over. Uh, the draft is over. Free agency technically doesn't end. I mean, that's a 24-7, 365-day uh, proposition, to say the least. 
More news from the NFL. So this one from Adam Schefter. Starting in 2023, ESPN's Monday Night Football will include flex scheduling from weekends 14 through 18 and also will feature three Monday Night Football doubleheaders. That's according to NFL's VP of Broadcast Scheduling, Mike North. Wow. Flex scheduling 14-18. Now, I know you're sitting there going, well, okay, big deal. They move it from one day. If you're the traveling team, and I talked to our guy today, Clay Hampton, who does all of our travel arrangements, and I can't imagine what moving one day, one day, can do to a travel schedule for an NFL team. It's, uh, I mean, first of all, you got to get like 200-plus rooms on a Saturday if you're playing on a Sunday. Or then you got to get them on Sunday if you're playing now on Monday. Now you got to move it one day. Oy, oh, man, that's tough. That is tough. But Clay's the best, man. He makes sure it happens. So for the Texans, uh, I'm not going to worry about it when that starts to happen in 2023. 2023, Monday Night Football, flex scheduling weeks 14 through 18, and three Monday Night Football double headers. I love the double headers, man. I love those. I mean, I don't have any problem. We played in one in 2019. We played the first game against the Saints at like six-ish. And I don't remember who. I can't remember the second game was. God, that was an incredible game. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this news also involves a former Houston, native Houston player. The Patriots have released former University of Houston, Miami quarterback slash weapon X, Derek King. Signed with the team as undrafted free agent. But he was waived today by the Patriots. Sean Watson has taken the Browns down to Jamaica. He also apparently is meeting with the NFL today and through this week here in Houston. So don't know what's going to come of that. But with the NFL is asking to meet, maybe they're at a conclusion or a resolution point. So we'll see what that turns into uh, because the Texans will play them on December 4th. My guy tells me that Deshaun will play in that, be playing in that game, whether suspension's handed down this year or not. Jair Alexander gets $30 million guaranteed, and he is back with the Green Bay Packers, one of the more underrated corners, and just a superstar with the Packers is back for 2022. All right, that's going to do it for Texans All Access on this Monday evening. A big thanks to Mark, to Austin Mendez back in studio, to all of you for listening. Appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. And as always, go Texans.